yeah. Mr. Encore, fantasy, sports, and politics, crew, yeah, check, fantasy, sports, and politics, ain't no other talk show hot as this, cover every sport and we get it all right, log on the site, you can listen tonight, talk about the game, who in first place, you can even call up, state your own case, football, b-ball, soccer too, log on, ain't nobody stopping you, it's fantasy, sports, and politics, crew, time again. Hello everyone and welcome once again to uh, the 8 o'clock hour. And uh, if you're listening to this broadcast, you know it's the FSP Crew Show. I am your host JT and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, fellow Jersey guy, Double J. Um, I'm Jerry. He's Jeff. Two Jersey guys laying it down for you on Thursday night, 8 p.m. And uh, without further ado, Let's bring in my esteemed co-host and get this show rolling. What's up, Jeff? How you be today? Jeff, are you there? Hello, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. I am not getting Jeff. I don't know if Jeff can hear me or not, but if he does, hang up, call back, Jeff, please. Hang up and call back if you can hear me. Otherwise, uh... I don't know what's going on. As far as I know, um, I'm all the way live. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I know I'm on on the air. At least I should be. Um, All right, people. I don't know where Jeff is. I don't know if he can hear me, but hopefully he calls back. And uh, we can get this show rolling with him as uh, my esteemed co-host. We're going to be talking about. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Jerry, what's going on? How you doing, my man? Um, I I got two numbers here. I don't know which one you uh, you came in on your your second call. Yeah, I'm on the nine. Well, I don't want to count my number, but everybody. But I don't I'm, want you to. <laughs> yeah, I'm on uh, the one that uh, is the the uh, well, they're both the same area code, the seven two seven. Because yes, um, I, I was using the landline, but mm-hmm. because that's through the cable company, the cable just went down, and. Oh. I got, I'm on this brand new cell phone, and you know when you get that new cell phone, that's a real special time because <laughs> it really it really stinks having to you know uh, get used to having to deal with a whole new cell phone. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, I, I definitely know uh, what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's it's a real special time. So uh, uh, just the littlest thing is just such a hassle, and. Uh, you know that's why I put it off. And you know what? When I, 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 I when I picked this one out, I didn't want to pay any more. You know, so you know I got with this you know relatively simple one because I figured you know I got a computer at home, I got a tablet, I don't need a desktop on my cell phone. It's going to cost a ton of money. But now right. I'm thinking, you know, I pull this this sucker out. Everybody's going to bust my chops because it looks kind of old and clunky. But I don't see what's so great about these little mini cell phones. I mean, it's like it's like the size of uh, your fingernail. It's too small, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. But, is that what you have now? You don't have you don't have one of those big like uh, um, a Note um, from Samsung or anything like that. You don't like one of those big ones. You like a small one? No, no, I like like a normal size one. No, I don't like okay. the itty bitty ones. You know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. But these things drive you crazy, you know. And and now I yeah. want to change my outgoing message. That'll take me a good three or four days to figure out, you know. <laughs> um, you know, oh man, you know the the you know the torture never stops, you know. It, it right. really doesn't. 
All right, let's get this show rolling here. First of all, Jeff, um, on a somber note, uh, my heart goes out to the uh, people of France who were celebrating Bastille Day. It's supposed to be a joyous occasion for the uh, uh, country of France. And uh, it turned into a a tragedy when uh, a truck crashes into a crowd in Nice, France, and uh, kills 70, not 700, 70, and uh, also injures 100 people. Um, I mean, what's this world coming to? This is absolutely nuts to someone who, who have total disregard for human life and actually uh, ram a truck into a helpless crowd. Talk to me. You there, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that must be recent because I didn't. I haven't heard of that. Did that just uh, happen right before the show went on? Uh, that happened earlier today, uh, approximately. Um, oh my God! Uh, I would say it happened uh, at least at least a half hour ago, if not longer. Probably an hour yeah. ago. Too much. Wait a minute. No, it, it happened uh, yeah, at least an hour ago, if not longer. Um, and like I said, uh, a driver plowed into a crowd in Nice celebrating um, Bastille Day and killed 70 people. A truck. What are you kidding me, man? I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable that you would absolutely be that careless of life well or, or, well the, the, excuse me but the the big thing is the motive is this just a random act is it a terrorist act you know what i'm saying um right so it, it it makes a big difference you know what what the motivation was um so unfortunately you know all those details will come out and those you know it's all about the details so mm-hmm. but uh yeah that that sounds like a major tragedy and it, it must have been you know, uh, recent because uh, I haven't been, you know, paying much attention to the news, uh, you know, this the past few hours. But uh, I get um, a long time ago, I signed up from for uh, with CNN. If something big happens, they send an email, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So big news happens. Usually I get an email and I just checked my email a little while ago and I didn't see anything about it. I guess that email is coming. Yeah. And it's uh, like I said, it's. There's, there's a lot of sick people in there, and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. It's getting worse. And um, people, like I say, have um, a low regard for whatever reason for human life and and uh, just do random acts without thinking about uh, what they're actually doing. Um, mothers, brothers sisters, uh, you know, relatives, and their life's, 70 people, life's snuffed out and 100 injured. And I don't know the extent of the injuries, but um, I would gather, uh, and and I'm just assuming that some could be uh, also life-threatening of the 100 injured. So, all right. I just wanted to put that out there. I didn't know if you knew about it or not, but uh, uh, um, it is what it is. Also, in in, in the news, um, and we had talked about this earlier on, on Sunday. And the only reason I'm bringing it up because it's, 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 it's in the media. And uh, for once, for once, um, this person ha- thought about others other than himself and he was supposed to announce his um um choice for his uh vp tomorrow morning uh he's postponing it um due to the uh, attacks attack in france Uh, i'm talking about donald trump i'm not not promoting trump but i i have to uh say that uh, for once, he's thinking about other 
someone else other than himself. Um, and uh, we'll wait and see what happens when he uh, de- decides who his uh, VP that he wants to go to the convention, which starts on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. And we'll see uh, the rhetoric flying hot and heavy uh, in in the uh, starting on Monday from uh, the Republican Party. All right. Enough politics. Uh, I want to get to the um, um, one of the stories on hand. Mr. Joe Paterno. We got a few few interesting stories here. Few interesting stories. Um, but I want to go with this one here uh, because I find it's pretty interesting. And unfortunately, he's not here to um, uh, um, defend himself. But new court documents suggest others at Penn State knew of Jerry Sandusky's abuse. Um, from what I understand is, is this, that um, the, the latest person, uh, a man testified in court today, or was it, I'm trying, let me get this correct here. Man testified in court in 2014 that Penn State football coach Joe Paterno ignores his complaints of a sexual assault committed by assistant coach Jerry Sandusky in 1976 when the man was a 14-year-old boy, uh, according to unsealed documents on Tuesday in a Philadelphia court. Four other former assistant football coaches at the school also were aware of Sandusky acting inappropriately with boys before law enforcement was notified in 1998. Now, just for those who are listening from what I'm saying, a man now, he, w- he was a boy at the time, 14, committed assault, sexual assault in 1976. And, and law enforcement was first notified in 1998. That's 22 years. So that means that 14-year-old boy was 36 years old when uh, – uh, and probably, uh, I would say probably, but according to um, uh, accusations, um, this had been going on for quite a while, and that's why it was first notified in 1998. The allegations suggest that Paterno may have been made aware of Sandusky's actions far earlier than has previously been reported, and that knowledge of Sandusky's behavior may have been far more widespread previously known. Ohio State Defensive Coordinator Greg Schiano and UCLA Defensive Coordinator Tom Bradley, both former Penn State assistants named in the documents, denied the allegations Tuesday. The testimony of multiple victims who have settled with Penn State and a former assistant Mike McQuarrie, who witnessed Sandusky raping a boy on campus in 2001, comes as the specifics of what Paterno and others knew about Sandusky and when are still are still being debated in courts and in the court of public opinion in Pennsylvania. Um, in, in the Penn State community, alumni group is pushing for a bronze statue of Paterno to be restored on campus and for the university to repudiate a 2012 report by former FBI director Louis Free that blamed Paterno, other university leaders, and a culture of reverence for the football program for Dandusky's rampant sexual abuse. Excuse me, sexual abuse. Um, the 1976 victim. Now, this is extremely interesting and inflammatory. Identified in court records as John Doe 150 said that while he he was attending a football camp at Penn State, Sandusky touched him as he showered. Sandusky's finger penetrated a boy's rectum. This is graphic, people. So if you you don't want to hear this, then, you know, just hold your ears, uh, whatever Doe said. And the boy asked to speak with Paterno about it. Uh, John Doe testified he, that he specifically told Paterno that Sandusky 
had sexually assaulted him and Paterno ignored it. And this is a quote that, that the guy said that um, Paterno told him. Is it accurate that Coach Paterno quickly said to you, I don't want to hear about any of that kind of stuff. I have a football season to worry about, the man's lawyer asked. Yes, I was shocked, disappointed, offended. Yeah, I would be too. I was insulted, and I said, is that all you're going to do? You're not going to do anything else? Uh, Paterno, the man testified, just walked away. The man testified that he never told law enforcement or his family about the incident. Um, documents include no other independent corroboration of the incident, and the Paterno family released a statement questioning the testimony. Paterno never engaged in a cover-up cover up of Jerry Sandusky's crimes. That's a quote from the family. The materials released today relating to Joe Paterno alleged a conversation that occurs decades ago where all parties except the accuser are now dead. In addition, there are numerous specific elements of the accusations that defy all logic and have never been subjected to even the most basic object, objective examination. I'm not going to go into the rest, but you got the crux of what the, uh, uh, was released on Tuesday uh, from court, court documents uh, that became public. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I, I mean, I read some of that yesterday, uh, especially the part about Shiano. I didn't know this stuff went all the way back to 76. You know, it, yeah. I, I swear, even when he was living, I was not a fan of Paterno. I mean, I had this was long before the Sandusky uh, scandal. I, I I just I thought these people deify these college coaches, right. and I, I I always felt he was somewhat of a phony and a fraud. This was that was before the scandal, and this goes to show you what a what a for lack of a better term what a scumbag he was, and what horrible priorities he had, and a lot of people uh, associated with that program had. I mean, you know, how do these people live with themselves, you know? I mean, I, I don't get it. And, you know, for years, you know, everybody talks about, you know, well, you know, St. Joe practically, you know. Um, and you, you know what? He, he never had an NCAA violation. But, you know, they twiddle their thumbs while young boys get raped. I mean, what kind of crap is that, yep. you know? I mean, so you don't give out free pens, you know, because you know how, you know, you know how the NCAA is with with some of those rules, you know. So you you know so you're you know so you're terrific. But meanwhile, horrible crimes go on right under your nose, and and you ignore it, and and so on and so forth. And you know I, I, I'm curious about Shiano because I, I thought um, a, after he got fired from Tampa, colleges would be fighting for him because he built the Rutgers program, which was not easy to do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with it. Maybe it was his personality. I think he might rub some people the wrong way. But program builders are usually in demand in college football. I mean, he, he could still get another head coaching job. I mean, he's got a pretty good job now. But I I was shocked he didn't get a big job. But this, who knows? This could hurt his chances of getting a big-time job. Not that I care because if, if he knew about it, then he, he's as dirty as all the rest of these scumbags. Well, like I said, uh, Greg Schiano said he 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 never saw it. He denied it, um, and of quite naturally, you know, it's his word against the uh, um, the accuser now. So there's there's really as long as the and I'm not I can't say one way or the other, but it, the the obvious thing is that uh, Sand, Sandusky got convicted in a court of law. Uh, that, that he did in fact do this, and uh, and uh, the Joe Paterno with um, some other coaches tried to deny that they didn't know, and it came out that they they did in fact know, and uh, it has tarnished Joe Paterno and State quite naturally and, and nationwide, and uh, Mike McCre- Mike McCreary. Uh, also, um, and I got to believe, and, and you know, uh, if it looks like a duck, quacks like duck, uh, um, he, uh, sounds like a duck, um, and walks like a duck, 
um, then you know what the the uh, rest of that sentence is. It, 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 it's a duck. So um, Shano and these other coaches, you know, it just doesn't just doesn't uh, in in most cases in the circle of coaches that are in college or um, uh, uh, pro or coaches in general, coaching a team, a group of coaches. Usually things go around and things are said. Uh, did you hear about this? Did you see this? Oh, you didn't, you, you wouldn't believe what I just saw. Um, and, and everyone on the coaching staff, unless it's something that for whatever reason is not spread to um, other, other ears, uh, know about it. So I got to believe that in, in some point in time that the rumors or hearsay, I wouldn't say hearsay, but someone uh, put, put a bug in these coaches ears. You got to, you got to watch this Sandusky. He, he's doing some pretty foul stuff. Um, but uh, we're right now we're, we're just um, circling the wagons and not saying anything. And hopefully it'll go away. And it quite naturally, obviously it didn't. And it blew up in their faces um, with a lot of, uh, um, consequences that were paid coaching wise and, and uh, the university wise. All right, let's go to another lovely. Um, and I'm saying that sarcastic, sarcastically um, situation involving uh, not a college player, but a pro football player. And a fact, a well-known, a well-known football player. Um, who recently um, <clears throat> became the second player, uh, um, second rated player out of the top 100 um, that was rated by the players. I'm talking none other than New England's favorite son, Tom Brady's latest attempt to avoid serving a four-game deflate gate and suspension to start the new season. Hello, Tom. I'm, I'm from the second uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in Manhattan, and we flatly, flatly reject your appeal to this court. Issued a, they issued a one-sentence rejection of request by the National Football League Players Association and Brady to reconsider an April decision that found the NFL commissioner Roger Goodell acted with his, in his powers by suspending the star quarterback for his role in a scheme to doctor footballs used in January in a January two, 2015 playoff game. Quote from the National Players Association, we are disappointed with the decision denying a rehearing as there were clear violations of our collective bargaining agreement by the NFL and commissioner Roger Goodell. Despite today's result, the track record of this league office when it comes to matters of player discipline is bad for our business and bad for our game. We have a broken system that must be fixed. We will review all of our options carefully on behalf of Tom Brady and all the NFL players. Um, that was from the NFLPA, the NFL Players Association. There was no comment from the NFL. Court actions leaves intact the two-to-one ruling by the three-judge panel that affirmed wide-ranging powers given to the commissioner by the NFL's collective bargaining agreement. And thanks to the NFLPA and DeMar Smith, um, they got a bad deal, and they're paying for it, and they're trying to, um, I guess, uh, take away some of the powers from the uh, commissioner. And they signed on the dotted line, and it ain't going to happen. It is a setback for organized labor groups arguing for due process and employee discipline. The Players Association and Brady had requested that the three-judge panel reconsider the case or that all the second court, uh, second circuit judges hear arguments and decide anew. The only hope of, uh, uh, of appeal for Tom Brady now is to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
And from what I heard on the TV and what I've read is that the U.S. Supreme Court gets about, I think it's 10,000, 10,000 requests um, to be, to be for the, for the Supreme Court. And only about 80 of those actually get heard. Um, and that leaves about, I think it's about 2% chance of Tom Brady getting uh, uh, heard before the Supreme Court. And this puts in, in play his four-game suspension. There's no more stay. There's nothing of that. He, he started the season four games. That's it. Talk to me, Jeff. You know, I mean, I, I, would, I don't want to see it go to the Supreme Court because I think they got bigger fish to fry. But, you know, I'll tell you, I, I'd love to see this get overturned because I never get tired of seeing Roger Goodell look like the fool that he is. And um, that whole system, I mean, Brady did it. But, you know, it's the lack of due process. And the, the, the whole system was beyond idiotic. I mean, they would, the reps would check the balls before the game and then give them back to the team. What's yep. the point? Yep. Right? Yep. They should have checked them and kept them. I mean, it was the dumbest thing ever. Um, but, it, you know, I, I – so – and I and as you know, I can't stand Goodell for many reasons. I know that. I know um, that. For legitimate reasons. It's not just a personality thing. Actually, I heard he's a decent guy, but he is a buffoon. Um, You know, no transparency, no due process. Um, You know, I mean, he's a lawyer. He doesn't get these simple concepts. And, uh, you know, Brady's one of these guys. He hates to lose, so I'm sure he wants to go to Supreme Court. I don't think it's going to happen. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm curious, you know, what – what what other stupid things like checking balls and giving them back to the team? I mean, give me a break, you know. But the whole thing with, uh, I mean, this this thing's been kicking around forever, you know. It really yes. it, it feels like it. And well, uh, but last year, but I guess that was last year. It looked like he was going to miss the four games, and it got turned around. So you know what? At least even if Brady does get suspended, and he he wasn't going to plea bargain, at least he made Goodell look like an idiot and at least he was able to uh, postpone it. And you know what? I, I, I think I heard he restructured his salary. So this way he won't even lose that much money because he, I think he transferred some of the salary to bonus. So it's only going to take a cut out of his salary. I think he, he cut his salary to a million bucks for this year, you know, a, yeah, yeah. a pittance for a star like that, you know, and great money for everybody else. So, they they can't touch the bonus money because you know, uh, you know Goodell thinks he's smart. Brady really is smart, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay. I'm sure we... he's got an agent who's smart, and uh, you know. Uh, but I'm I'm sick and tired of uh, you know Goodell and uh, you know just making up the rules as he goes along. Tired okay. of him. Tired of his nonsense. I hear you. Um... Well, let me ask you something. We got a caller on the line. He's been waiting for about three minutes. Hold on, caller. We'll get to you in a minute uh, because I want to put this out there. Um, I know that the, uh, a lot of people have been cited, including yourself, on uh, um, the player side um, and uh, against Roger Goodell for whatever reason. And, and you have your reasons, and that's fine. And I'm not siding one way or the other. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Uh, it was the players that signed this contract. It was the players that agreed to the um, commissioner being the judge, and, judge, jury, and executioner, so to speak. So uh, now they're going to complain that, uh, and this is not the first time Goodell has uh, wielded a, a heavy sword. So um, they're going to complain that um, he Brady's going to get uh, um, uh, penalized for this. Um, he went through the due process that the players agreed upon um, and, and all the appeal and everything else that the players agreed upon in the collective bargaining agreement. And they're still going to fight it 
because they, they're, they're fighting now after the agreement's been signed. They're saying that the commissioner has too much power. Um, I'm going to bring a, call, a caller we have from the 404. I don't know if he wants to weigh in on this or not. But before I do that, Jeff, I'm, what, what's your thoughts about what I just said? Well, I, I think it was one of those things that Goodell was really hanging on to that, I think, when they were in negotiations. He really was. And, you know, they say almost everything's negotiable. And I, I really – I don't know. I think Morris Smith, who, who's no dummy, um, he figured, you know what, let him have his power because we could fight it in court. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, I mean, Goodell was so crazy, he probably was like, oh, yeah, I'll give up my dictatorial power if you give back free agency or something ridiculous. So, mm-hmm. and I think he was smart enough to realize, you know, we, we could fight this in court and they have, you know, and, and personally the thing that I really hate, and this is different than the, the specifics of the Brady issue where, you know, when a, a player gets in trouble with the law and sometimes it's just accusations and, you know, he wants to, you know, uh, suspend or whatever and totally divorce himself from the, you know, the criminal justice system, which, hey, you know, if, you know, I got in a little trouble, heaven forbid, what gives my, certain things my employer would have to suspend me for. But if it's got nothing to do with work, so you got to take your lumps in court, you know, we're talking, let's say, a misdemeanor or something, and then your employer is going to mess you up too. What gives them the right, you know? And the court system isn't perfect, but at least there's due process, and there's no due process with um, King Goodell or whoever he thinks he is. Okay. Well, we got a caller from the 404, which, from what I look like, it's from the Atlanta area. So we're going to bring him in here, and he's been hanging on for quite a while. So he must have uh, uh, some um, things that he, he needs to get off his chest. Caller from the 404, which happens to be in Atlanta. Welcome to the FSP Crew Show. State your name and uh, what do you got to say? Yeah, good evening, man. This is Naj in Atlanta, man. How y'all doing? What's up? What's up, my man? Long time no speak to. How you been? Indeed, man. Hard to catch up with you guys, man. Good to catch you, though. Uh, A good topic as well. Mm -hmm. And look, the the point he just hit on was was what I was going to get to. Uh, When you're dealing with negotiations of that high of a level, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, you have to know what the giveaway was. So, it's easy to say, well, you know, they had their chance to take that away from Goodell. Well, we don't know what he was asking for in order to take that off the table. And then the other part to remember is uh, think of Roger Goodell as like a, like a 3D hologram. He's basically what the ownership projects from their mind. That's who he is. He's their mm-hmm. puppet. He is the representation of them. So whatever policies he takes on, whatever stance he takes on, that is the stance of the majority of ownership. So it's like we can't forget that as they use him as the pinata to get out unpopular things. Uh, another part of the, the Tom Brady thing, uh, who has excellent lawyers and is you know is going to fight everything. And yes, uh, he was correct in saying that he did switch his salary over for the four games. Uh, that's a deal Bob Kraft gave him that he wouldn't give any other player. Uh, Tom Brady has taken some pay cuts over the years. And then he wants the players' union to be all, you know, at bat for him uh, when he gets into difficulty. Now, I I find that to be a kind of problematic thing that nobody ever brings up. Uh, If if it's one for all and all for one, then we need you to to push the boundaries of salary. We don't need you to improve your team by taking less. You look like a good guy for doing that, but 53-man, you know, 53-man roster, we want the salaries to go up. You know what I mean? More sugar for me, the guy on the lowest guy on the totem pole. So I, right. I think that's one criticism of Brady that hasn't been brought to bear uh, with him fighting this case, even though, hell, I would fight it too. And these guys asked for his phone as if they're some kind of government body or something. They wanted to look through his phone. Like These, these people have really lost all realm of, of who they are. Uh, they, they, they seem to, like I said, they seem to think that they have a degree of power that, that's just not allotted to a a, 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 a football body, you know? So it, it's, it's, it's an amazing story, man, just to watch all of this. But, yeah, I do think we'll see Garoppolo this year. Uh, but no matter what, Brady's going to fight this down to the end. And I can't fault, fault him too much for doing it. 
Well, I mean, let me um, on the salary note, uh, the New England Patriots are are notorious for trying to uh, get the least or pay the least amount to their players. Uh, I understand that uh, Tom Brady has been continu- continuously taking pay cuts, um, annual pay cuts, but I think he makes them up just like you guys alluded to that um, he makes them up in, in um, signing bonuses. Uh, and uh, you're right that he really should not be doing that because that uh, is just playing into what the New England Patriots are basically wanting to do is pay the least amount um, to their players and reap the rewards in their pockets. Uh, and I don't think that that is going to change because that's been – deeply rooted in uh, what uh, um, the front office, including Bill Belichick, who's a strong um, influence on what the uh, uh, front office does um, and won't let uh, uh, players' salaries get out of hand. Uh, And and that's why you see vagabond players um, take – uh, I would say vagabond, but players take uh, not pay cuts, but may, may be able to go to another team um, and make a little bit more money. But they go to the uh, Patriots and uh, uh, with the hopes of making money um, the, the next year that they get there and find out they get they get released and and, uh, uh, and the New England Patriots um, um, basically use a lot, just like a lot of other teams, um, use uh, players like uh, pieces of meat, um, unlike the NBA and the Major League Baseball, where those salaries are um, guaranteed and uh, they make a lot more money, um, I guess, per player than the NFL, where the average span of their careers are what, uh, three to four years, somewhere around there, compared to the other sports, like Major League Baseball, quite naturally. Uh, and the NFL is a collision sport. And when you have um, guys with the superior superior talent and um, physicality that they uh, have um, collide, uh, that's going to – the body can only take – the human body can only take so much for so long. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the owners will never lose that argument, the guaranteed money thing, mm-hmm. just because of the things you just stated, the injuries, the short-term uh, career that football players actually have. Uh, if they want guaranteed contracts, the money will be much, much smaller, and NFL players, are, they're not willing to make that trade. They figure, okay, if my career is short, let me just maximize in this short amount of time because if, if they got guaranteed deals, they'd be much, much smaller, and the owners would come out way better. Uh, if they actually went for it. So that, that's why we don't see it in the NFL. Okay. Uh, speaking of contracts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move from the NFL to the NBA. Uh, I don't think I, we, we, we've covered this. Uh, I think when it happened, uh, we didn't have a show. So I want to touch on it now. And I'm not going to touch on the, the biggest story. I'm going to touch on the story that I find it very interesting. Um, and you can look at it two ways, whether the front office wanted him out and this is the way they, 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 they worked it or they didn't want to give him the money. Um, and he went, basically went home. I'm talking about, uh, the, and I would say it was a conflict and, and a butting of heads between Dwayne Wade and the front office, including Pat, Pat Riley of the Miami heat. Um, and this is wrong along the same note. Tom Brady taking um, um, pay cut after pay cut after pay cut for the betterment of the team. And when it comes time to uh, pay the pauper, and the pauper happened to be Dwayne Wade, and no, by no means is he a pauper, but he was looking to get paid his final, and I think this would be his final payday, and he lo- was looking to get a certain amount of money, and the Miami Heat didn't want to fork over the money, um, claiming they didn't have it. Um, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but they claim they did, didn't have it. And Dwayne Wade uh, got what he wanted from the Chicago Bulls and moved on from there. I'm going to talk to Jeff first about it, 
uh, I want a response from Jeff first, and then I talk to Nas. Talk to me, Jeff. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. it's just so silly. It's like they're saying, you know, Wade was never the highest paid player on the Heat, but yeah, he was up there though. Um, and you know, he, he, I guess he took less money to bring in his his uh, pal LeBron and win rings. Hey, nobody put a gun to his head, and you know, so I mean. Okay, big deal. He's never been the highest paid player on the team. I mean, over the course of his career, he's made a fortune. And, you know, they couldn't agree on something. And, you know, who knows what Pat Riley, you know, what he was thinking. But, you know, Dwayne Wade is so popular down there. He'll he'll probably, when his career is over, he'll probably move back down there and probably be associated with the team. I think similar to Alonzo Mourning, he – he left the team late in his career, and I think he's, you know, uh, now employed by the team because, uh, you know, Wade is is one of the most, maybe I think the most beloved uh, person, uh, you know, sports person in Miami. I think he's up there with Dan Marino. Um, so believe yeah. me, you know, he, he plays a couple more years for another team. They're not going to hold it against him. And Dwayne Wade has class. It's not like I don't – I can't imagine him – walking around, talking trash indefinitely about it. Uh, I'm sure he'll take the high road. And it, believe me, when his career's over, he'll move, move back down there and everyone's still going to love him. What's your what's your thoughts there, Nas? Yeah, I don't think anybody's wrong in this situation. I think uh, Dwayne wanted to be paid on the back end for taking all those pay cuts. And I'm sure there were some promises made. Uh, there were some things insinuated. So he had the belief because Miami has kind of wrapped themselves in this whole family thing, the Pat exactly. Riley family. That that was right. how they branded themselves. So right. Dwayne was looking to get paid on the back end. Now let's go to Riley's side to where he's trying to get Kevin Durant or some, you know, whale free agent to come in there. And Dwayne Wade is clearly in decline, clearly injured. And the idea of tying up so much cap in an injured guy is probably not the best, you know, business move right now. But going forward in the future, it would look good for your 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 greatest franchise player uh, to have been treated well on the on the way out. Uh, look, Dwayne Wade came of age when the Dolphins were bad, and he's kind of either at the same level as Marino or eclipsed Marino as right. far as sports icons in Miami. So there, there were reasons why he expected to be paid. But at a certain point, the negotiation became a thing of pride, and he had to leave for just a few million dollars that he probably could have gotten out of Miami if he had told him what was offered. But he also would have had to hang his head and essentially come back uh, a humbled man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why not go back home, uh, take the deal they're offering, and still walk away with your pride intact? And best-case scenario, Miami still has that cap space uh, for next year when they do try to get another free agent because they swung and missed on Durant. And I think Riley gets way too much credit for the big three down there. I think that was an agreement between those three guys, but exactly. somehow we tied that to the mastery of Pat Riley putting that together. And, and I think this free agency this summer kind of showed that, man, Pat's got, got just as much chance as everybody else. He's going to get some, he's going to lose some. Okay. Um, speaking of uh... – free agents signing to other teams. Uh, you guys know where I'm going with this. Um, two, I'm going to go in two different directions here with this, but first of all, um, 73-9 and nine is what the record was. Unfortunately, they didn't win the uh, championship of the Golden State Warriors. They have um, all-stars um, in uh, Stephon Curry, who was the back-to-back in this year, consensus, um, unanimous, I should say, um, MVP back to back MVP last year in this season um, had Clay Thompson uh, had Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut unfortunately he got hurt and uh, Harrison Barnes who who went to uh, Greener Pastures to another team and left uh, um, um, the Golden State Warriors uh, they uh, beat Kevin Durant in the uh, second round or in the finals in, in Western Conference I should say. And uh, uh, with uh, Kevin Durant losing the last three games, when he had a three-game lead in in the uh, finals, and uh, Durant went home, and um, the Golden State Warriors went to the finals, unfortunately, like I said, they didn't win it. Uh, Come 
the and I had talked about this before. Um um before he actually came out. I talked about it um a Saturday on the FSP show. Um the Saturday before he actually came out on uh uh Independence Day and announced where he was going. And uh he got the backlash from Stephen A song call him basically a sellout and with no heart. Um, because he went to the team that beat him in the finals, um, chasing the ring. Uh, but I thought this was probably one of the best spots for him. Uh, in my opinion, and I'm going to get Nas first before I go to uh, of Jeff, Kevin Durant is the type of player who's an extremely unselfish player, loves the game of basketball, and because, in my opinion, that the Golden State Warriors play a Brand of brand of basketball that is um, what Kevin Durant is all about. He decided to join that trio uh, and make it a quartet, uh, uh, a deadly quartet at that. And um, um, he got lambasted by a few people, including Stephen A. What's your thoughts, Nas? Yeah, I don't really listen to Stephen A. much uh, at this point. I, I just see him as a provocateur of sports. But I, I blame the media for this. Uh, they've changed the culture of basketball to where your career doesn't mean much if you don't have rings. Uh, we talk about guys' legacy when they're 25 now, which is weird as hell to me. Uh, so they create a climate to where people have to legitimize themselves with rings. So Durant, of course, takes, takes this route. Uh, they're probably going to set a record within the next few, you know, this next two years, uh, one of these seasons for victories. They'll probably get a chip or two, and, you know, he may move on somewhere else. But in order to really set the st- standard for his career, he had to get rings. So he chooses this route to make sure that he gets them. But, I mean, like I said, I, 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 blame, I blame the media. We have 24-7 sports media now, and they just bang these narratives into people's heads. Look, John Stockton and Carl Malone were pretty damn good. So what? They didn't win rings. Charles Barkley was pretty good. So what? He didn't win rings. Like this whole thing where everybody has to have a ring, I, I, I just can't get. I just can't really get with that part of sports. Sports, no matter what, is, is a beautiful competitive thing, and they're turning it into this this uh, king of the hill thing that it ne- never really was, and and it's getting weird. Jerry West won one ring. Does that mean he's not good? He's not great, you know what I mean? So sure. I, I I don't like it, but, hell, I'm going to pay for league pass, and I'm going to watch them probably get a 50-point quarter at some point next year. <laughs> Jeff, talk to me. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, Naj makes a good point about the rings, but, you know, and, and Jerry West only has one ring and lost in the finals eight times. Um, but, you know, it took a big three with the Lakers for him to finally get his ring when they already had Elgin Baylor and then they, uh, they traded for Will. So this big three thing has been going on for a while. It's not as new as some people think it is. Um, You know, I don't understand why people get ticked off that uh, um, Durant left Oklahoma city. I mean, he he played out his contract and uh, he's free to negotiate and go elsewhere. I mean, he, he has no obligation to, to stay there because certain people think he should. I mean, the thing is that blows my mind is you talk about the bar being set high. You know, if Golden State only wins 70 games and then loses in game seven of the finals, everyone will say it's a disappointment. I, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's unreal. But I think with Durant, I mean, you don't know what goes on in his head. Maybe he doesn't want to end up with some of the great players whose careers were unlucky to coincide with, you know, around the same era when, you know, it was first, it was, you know, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, they were winning all the championships and then Jordan. So then you have great players like, you know, Patrick Ewing and Charles, Charles Barkley, no rings. And maybe Durant doesn't want to be the next guy on that list. But, you know, the thing is you never know how it's going to play out because, um, you know, Curry was banged up for part of this year, and just unforeseen things could happen. And, and I mean, I think, uh, you know, Curry and Durant, they'll take less shots because there's only so many shots to go around. I mean, you only got one basketball, but 
usually great players will share the ball with great players. And, uh, you know, and, and Curry was cool with this. Durant knows what he's getting into. You know, if they brought in, you know, they brought in some guy from uh, the D League and said, told Curry, uh, hey, you got to start feeding him the rock like crazy. He'd be like, huh? Oh, pardon me? You know, but uh, usually, though, the great players will are, are usually okay sharing it with other great ones. Okay. I wanted to get to, I wanted to do that to get to this. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver expressed concern about the impact of Kevin Durant joining the Golden State Warriors and indicated that changes are needed in the collective bargaining agreement to maintain the league's competitive balance. A quote from him is, just to be absolutely clear, I do not think that's ideal for the league's standpoint. Uh, for me, part of it, it's a design, designing a collective bargaining agreement that encourages the distribution of great players throughout the league. On the other hand, I absolutely respect the player's right to become a free agent, and in this case, Kevin Durant, to make a decision that he feels is best for him. I have no idea what's in his mind or heart in terms of how we went about making that decision. In a way, the good news is that we are in a collective bargaining cycle, so it gives everybody an opportunity, owners and the unions, to sit down behind closed doors and take a fresh look at the system and see if there is a better way that we can do it. My belief is we can make it better. The league's current CBA negotiated during the 2001, a 2011 lockout runs through June, June 30, uh, excuse me, June 30th, 2021. However, either side can opt out on uh, uh, June 30th, 2017, if it notifies the other, other party by December 15th. That's the reason why I was talking about Kevin Durant, because it looks like it's going to be on the table that – uh, it's going to be some type of limitation. I don't know how they're going to do it on where players can go. Um, and that seems, seems to me to defeat free agency altogether. Talk to me, Jeff. You know, um, I'm sorry. I missed some of that. But, uh, you know, the NBA is uh, is different than the other leagues. They don't, you know, the NFL has a lot of parity and uh, the NBA and Major League Baseball don't. But, you know, uh, some fans don't want parity. And, you know, uh, part of me thinks, you know, it'd be nice if almost every NBA team had a star for marketing purposes, but uh, for several reasons, it doesn't work out like that. Um, at least it's uh, it's nice to see that, you know, Oklahoma's been very good for the past, you know, for more than a few years because uh, a lot of people say the small – Small market teams don't have a shot, and uh, the, the the small market powerhouse is San Antonio, um, and uh, of course, uh, in, in his very low key style, Tim Duncan, after 19 rock solid years, he he retires. Um, but you know, when I was a kid, everybody thought the Knicks, because they were owned by Gulf and Western at the time, though the the richest corporation in the world, that and this was before free agency, that they were going to somehow dominate with that money. And that didn't happen, you know. So, and, and it's still not happening in some big markets because, uh, you know, the Lakers have been lousy, the Knicks have been lousy. Um, but, you know, uh, I don't know. It generates fan interest when you have these powerhouse teams. And uh, I don't know, some of the other teams – you know, if they're competitive, they still draw pretty well. The NBA, they're still making money. So, you know, uh, but, you know, it's funny when the league was much smaller, you know, like it, it was amazing because there was teams, you know, uh, you know, we're going way back to the 60s and the 70s that were stacked that, you know, I mean, uh, the Knicks in 73, I think, were starting four Hall of Famers. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, that, that, that's a lot harder now, you know. Um, but, uh you know, uh, this is the system, uh, how it's developed, and, uh, you know, it, it, they still, they're getting good ratings, they're making money. Uh, if, if it, when they stop making uh, money, then they got something to worry about. Talk to me, Nas. Yeah, Adam Silver had to make that statement uh, for the small owners, basically kind of siding with them, giving it, throwing them a bone. But behind the scenes, you know they're ecstatic, clapping hands, pulling up the years from uh, the numbers from those first couple Miami Heat years with the big three down there. They're looking at those projections 
and what Golden State can do now with uh, the mobile apps and the more ability to watch games that they have now. So, I mean, they're excited about this. But, of course, he has to temper that because of small ownership. And I think small ownership also learned a lesson, too, in that if you're Oklahoma or somewhere and you have a Kevin Durant, if you can't re-sign him before free agency, uh, you just have to bite the bullet and trade him. Like, there's no need to to deal with this 11th hour stuff to where things can just go this horribly bad and the value of your franchise just, you know, sunk immediately because now you probably got to move Russ as well. So I, I say small owners now should understand, look, you need to have a better scouting department uh, than everybody else, better analytics department. And when it comes time, if there's a star who it doesn't look like you're going to be able to hold on to, you got to move them early and get value. That's what it has to be. I know it's crazy to trade a guy like Kevin Durant, but when you look at what can happen to you, it's what has to be done. All right. Uh, the salary cap last season was $70 million, and it, it, it increased this summer to $94 million, and next year it's going to rise to $102 million. And speaking of uh, players that are possibly going to get traded, there's been talk that uh, Russell Westbrook, um, and Nas alluded to it, that uh, Kevin Durant, uh, if they thought that Kevin Durant was going to leave, they should have uh, thought about trading him. And as crazy, like, like Nas says, as crazy as it sounds, trading him next, last year so they wouldn't be in this position of him being a free agent and the possibility of him not signing um, back with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, now they're in the same situation with Russell Westbrook um, this year. Uh, he's got one year left before he's a free agent next year in 2017 with a increase of $8 million from this year to next year uh, in the salary cap. So teams are going to have more money to be available to free agent players. And that includes Russell Westbrook. Uh, So it would make sense. And according to Nas, and I agree with him that, uh, um, that to move Russell Westbrook, unfortunately, um, realistically, to get something for form versus uh, the chance of getting nothing, um, and a strong possibility you get nothing because uh, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder will not be uh, uh, on paper as strong as it was when Kevin Durant was a member of the team. Uh, so Russell Westbrook would want to go to Green Pastures or other pastures, maybe go home to L.A or maybe to the Clippers, who knows, depending on what they, um, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder decide to do. But it looks like um, that Russell Westbrook more than likely will be um, uh, traded uh, sometime in the near future. All right, we come, to the, we come to the end of the show. We've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Nas to see if he wants to, to, to say anything before. And I really appreciate you calling, Nas. We haven't talked in a while, and we had, definitely had a good conversation, so don't be a stranger. I know you won't. Uh, but do you have anything that you want to uh, inject uh, finally before we get out of here? Yeah, I, I'll just say uh, in a trade of a guy like that, you're not going to get value. So get young players and picks. Do not get aging veterans or so-called good players now in their prime. Young players and picks. That's all you can do. Right. Talk to me, Jeff. What, what, uh, what's your, going to be your final right. word? I'd uh, like to thank him for joining us. And uh, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to uh, talk about the New York Knicks. Uh, they got an interesting-looking squad. Uh, uh, they look like the nicked-up Knicks. They're going to have to sign a couple of new <laughs> trainers to deal with all these uh, injuries. <laughs> or, or also, there's the New York ifs. Because, you know, if this guy stays healthy, if that guy stays healthy, uh, I'll yeah. tell you, if, if Noah could stay healthy, you know, yeah. I mean, he, he's from New York, and mm-hmm. he reminds me a lot of Marcus Camby. I'm not the first person to say that. They've been saying that since he was in college. Um, right. Fans love Camby. And, and you know, uh, Nick fans like defense. But, you know, Nick fans are smart. And, um you know, as long as he, you know, he plays, they're, they're going to go crazy for him. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they rolled the dice with Rose. Uh, I think he's kind of a jerk. But when he's healthy, you know, when, if, you know, uh, he's a heck of a ball player. So, uh, 
you know, they got to get some extra hot tubs and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe they could, you know, have a magic season, you know, should be interesting. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Uh, Nod, you got something to add to that? No, no, no. I, I was in 100% agreement with him, man. The Knicks are rolling the dice. Uh, they're just hoping it don't roll up craps. But if D-Rose is healthy, balls out, yeah, you got lucky. If he doesn't, he leaves next year. They do right. the thing. Right. With that being said, I want to say uh, thank you, Nas, for joining us tonight. Always th- thank you, Jeff, uh, for um, adding, giving his in- input to this show. Uh, tune in next week, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we'll be here holding it down, as we always do, talking about uh, the current events in sports and possibly some politics. Uh, tune in 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where the FSP show will be hosted by Vic Gardner, and I'll be co-hosting that, and also on the master plan. Um, I've talked politics the last two two weeks on Sunday. I may be talking politics again uh, uh, um, on um, uh Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, but it's going to be a mixed bags. It's going to be sports and politics on the master plan. So that's 10 a.m. again, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. With all that being said, um, enjoy the rest of the week, and uh, we'll see you. Yeah. It's Mr. Encore. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Crew. Yeah. Check. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this Cover every sport and we get it all right Log on the site, you can listen tonight Talk about the game, who in first place You can even call up, state your own case Football, b-ball, soccer too Log on, ain't nobody